16, 1 through 15. The story goes like this. He, meaning Paul, came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was a Jewess and a believer, whose father was a Greek. The brothers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so, so he circumcised him because of all the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. That's interesting. When they came to the border of of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we went out to sea and sailed straight from, from Samothrace and went the next day to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, the Roman, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. We will go that far. That, that last part, I'm not, there's so much here. There's a lot, there's a lot here. I'm not going to sort of lean into that last part, but I love that last part because this woman, Lydia, was a worshiper of God, he calls her, but she didn't know Jesus, but she was a worshiper of God. And, and Luke and Paul seem to see this as, wow, that's a really amazing thing. She's a, a worshiper of God. And then Lydia, who owned her own business, uh, she dealt in purple cloth, which means she probably sold purple cloth to people who uh, were of means. So uh, she herself was probably a, a, an early woman leader, and she then uh, learned about Jesus, and she became the leader of the church in Philippi, which I think is awesome. Um, but she started out as just a, a worshiper of God, and then Jesus, and then Paul told her about Jesus, and she's like, yeah, I'm in. Isn't that interesting? Oh, so good. Okay, let me ask you this. Um, when you read a story like this, uh, how does it make you feel? Uh, because Paul sort of goes here, and then he goes there, and then he goes here, and then he goes there, and then he tries to go here, and the Spirit says, don't go there. And he's like, fine, I'll go over here. Hello, I want to go over here. And the Spirit says, no, I told you, don't go there. And so he goes, it's kind of all over the place. There's lots, of, there's lots of names of towns and places and cities that I had to look up how to pronounce, and I was really nervous about it this morning, but I think I did okay. But anyway, isn't that very interesting? He was like tuned in to the voice of God, and that was interesting. Have you ever had the experience where you thought to yourself, man, I just wish God would tell me what to do and where to go? Have you ever felt that way? Like you've got a couple of places that you could go. Like you could go over here, or you could go over here. Or you could do this thing, or you could do that thing, but you're, you don't want to go because you want to be careful. 
You don't want to go because you're waiting on um, what we might call a word from the Lord, or you're waiting for a direction from the divine, and you're hesitant to go, you're hesitant to move because, well, you don't want to be wrong. Like, you want to make sure that, that you, you get it right. And so, have you had this experience? Yeah, sometimes being in that space can be somewhat paralyzing, Right? And so we don't move, we don't go, we sort of stay in the right, pl- in the same place because we just don't want to mess things up. God, would you just tell us what to do? Tell me what to do, where to go. Like, give me directions, please. Here's what I think, and it'll make sense in a minute. I think we can hear the voice of God. I think it's possible to actually discern what God wants from us and is telling us what to do. And I believe that sometimes we can actually get it right. Yeah, I believe that. Most of us come here, uh, most of us in this room come here. uh, First, we try to be in constant, or as, as much as we can, be in conversation with the divine, with God. Uh, because we believe God is the creator of heaven and earth and everything in between, which means God is really wise and full of wisdom. And God is the source of direction in our lives. He can sort of, he's the best place where we can get direction and guidance in, in our lives. Um, most of us echo uh, the piece of scripture that says, in him we live and move and have our being, which is a super comprehensive thing to say. That in God we live, and the word there is peripateo, which really means we walk around. In him we walk around and move and have our being. Most of us show up here on Sundays because we're trying to be faithful followers of Jesus, right? We come here ready to listen, ready to hear a word from the divine, hoping, hoping to hear a word from the divine. And most of us are even willing to change course or change the direction we're going in if God would just give us clear step-by-step directions. But I'm guessing, and I'm projecting my own experience onto you, uh, just fully admitting that right now, I'm guessing that most of us uh, haven't seemed to have have the the sort of earth-shattering, earth-shaking conversations and clarity with God that, that Paul seems to have had. Like, if God would just speak as clearly to us as he spoke to Paul, then we would get up and we would get going. Right? But here's what fascinates me about the life of Paul. That dude was always moving. He was always going. That dude was always on the move. Just read through the book of Acts, and it seems as though God continuously has to like interrupt what Paul is doing in order to give him instructions on where to go next. It's fascinating. When we first meet Paul, his name isn't Paul, his name is Saul. And he was on the way to Damascus. And he was searching for these people called the people of the way, which is the earliest Christians, earliest followers of Jesus, which is interesting that they were called the people of the way, which means they're moving a lot. Anyway, he was on his way to Damascus to sort of persecute, lock up these people of the way when all of a sudden Jesus shows up and interrupts, shines this great light and it blinds Paul. And then there's this booming voice uh, from the clouds. So he was on the way. He was 
moving from this place to that place. In our story this morning, Paul was on his way. Luke has this phrase, on his way, and even connects it with town to town, delivering, delivering news, delivering, uh, delivering teaching, and helping strengthening churches in the area, and helping them to, to grow in numbers. And then Paul and the rest of the gang, they turn eastward, and they go towards Asia, when the Spirit of God shows up and says, uh-uh, don't want you to go there. Don't go in that direction. I don't want you to go to Asia. So, okay, they didn't. But then just not very long afterwards, they tried to turn eastward again to go to this place called Bithynia when the Spirit of Jesus interrupts them again and says, uh-uh, no, I told you, don't go there. And then it was only then within the story, within the narrative and the movement that we have here, it was only then that Paul and the gang realized that God wanted them to go westbound, the opposite way. God wanted them to go westbound into this place called Macedonia. Isn't that interesting? I find that super interesting. Paul doesn't wait for the voice of God to get him moving. What? Paul doesn't wait for the voice of God to get him moving. He moves in the direction he thinks God is leading, and that seems to help him hear the voice of God, discern the direction God wants him to go. It's almost as if he knows that God expects him to move so that God can then give him clear instructions on where to go. So moving in faith, it seems, actually helps us hear the voice of God. Moving in faith, taking steps of faith, actually helps us to discern the will of God and what's next. So he's moving from town to town, going, going, going. He thinks God is leading him to Asia. Like he, it seems like he really wants to go to Asia because the Spirit says, don't go there. So he goes the other way and he's like, I kind of want to go to Asia. And then the Spirit of Jesus shows up and says, no, don't go to Asia. Moving in faith helped him to discern the will of God and understand the voice of God in his life. Isn't that fascinating? Well, does that fit with what the rest of the Bible sort of reveals? Are there other people in the Bible who have this experience? Yeah, it's all over the place in the Bible. In fact, if we go back to the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 12, we meet a dude named Abram, later to be called Abraham. God comes to Abram and says, leave your country, leave your people, leave all your stuff behind and go to the place I will show you. Doesn't say, go to such and such a place. He says, go to the place I will show you. So get moving, get going, and I'll show you later where it is you're, you're going. Isn't that fascinating? A little bit later on, if you flip to the right in your Bible, you get to Exodus chapter 3. And we, get to, we learn about this guy named Moses. And God comes to Moses and says, go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. Don't worry about all the details in between. Just go and I will be with you on the way. It seems that if you read throughout the Bible, one of, one of the favorite things that God has to say to people is, is this, go, move, go. His other favorite thing is, do not be afraid. Go, do not be afraid. Go. When Jesus called his first disciples, what did he say to them? He said, come, follow me, move. He didn't say, we're going to go here, then we're going to go there, then we're going to go over here. He said, come, follow me. What's the last thing Jesus said 
At the end of the book of Matthew, before he ascends into heaven, what did he say? Go. Go into all nations. Baptize people. Teach them. Oh, by the way, while you're on the way, I will be with you. You find this theme over and over and over again. God says, go, without clear directions afterwards. It's almost as if God wants us to move, and then along the way, we'll get directions as we go. Moving in faith helps us to discern the voice of God, the will of God. There's this other piece of scripture that's one of my favorites. It's one of the, it's a little snippet from uh, the prophet Isaiah. And he says this, those who hope in the Lord or those who wait is how it's often translated. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Now, waiting in this context doesn't mean sitting on your couch waiting for a word from God. Doesn't mean sitting on your front porch hoping that God will show up and whisper in your ear and tell you where to go. It doesn't mean sitting in a chair in church waiting for a voice of God before you move. No, the, the context of the verse there, the context of those words is you'll, be, you'll get up, you'll get moving, and while you're waiting, while you're hoping, you're trusting that God will guide you while you're on the way. And then the rest of the words that Isaiah says are all action words. Those who wait in the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Get up, move, hope in the Lord, run, fly, walk, get moving. Actually moving in faith, taking a step of faith can actually help us hear, discern the voice of God in our lives. Now at this point, let's just be honest about something. Sometimes it's hard to just move in faith, to take a, a step of faith, right? Like we think we know, but we don't want to be wrong, and so that kind of paralyzes us. We're a little bit afraid that we might make a mess of things, and so we don't take a, a leap of faith. Well, a leap of faith kind of, kind of says that, well, you don't know what's going to happen. I'm just going to believe that it's going to be okay, and that God's going to be with me. But sometimes, sometimes we're a little bit afraid uh, to move because we don't what if God's okay with that what if what if God's okay with you thinking that God wants you to do this thing and only finding out later that oh once I started moving I began to understand that it's this thing Paul I'm gonna go to Asia Asia's where I want to go the spirit says no don't go to Asia but I really want to go to Asia no don't go to Asia. So moving is sometimes hard because we're, we're afraid. But what if God's okay with that? What if God wants us to just get moving? But sometimes it's hard to get moving. It's easier to stay in motion, right? Than to take that first step. Just the basics of physics here. Let's think for a moment uh, about Let's think for a moment about the physics. <laughs> and there's a lot more that goes into it than this. Uh, but the physics of a child taking their first step and learning how to walk. Right? I have experience with this. Three of them. Watch them all learn how to walk. The first step is what? Always the hardest. The first step is always the hardest. Always the hardest. I remember we would sit down on the floor and we would have our, our boys in between us, whichever one it was at the time. We would stand them up 
And the other one would be on the other side. And we're like, come, Samuel. Caleb, come here. Micah, come. Come. Right? And they would be standing there wobbling around. And depending on their attitude at the moment, like they would just sit down. Plop down. Right? Have you seen this happen? Right? And that, that first step, that first wobbly step is always the hardest to take. But what would always happen when they took a first step is it was never one step. They never just took one step. Because once you take one step, you got to take another step. And then once it was two steps, then it was very quickly three steps and four steps. And pretty soon, it, in, in like a day or two or maybe three, all of a sudden it was, I'm walking and you can't stop me. Right? The first step is always the hardest. But once you take one step, what do you gain? Think physics. What do you gain once you have a step? What do you have now? Momentum. You have momentum. Nice one. Got it. Brilliant. You have momentum. You're going somewhere. Maybe it's all, maybe it's time for all of us to learn how to walk again. Like sometimes, sometimes I feel like a, when I think about my relationship with God and my, and my faith, sometimes I feel like I'm stuck, like I'm a little baby learning how to walk again. Maybe we all need to learn how to walk again, to take that first step, to gain momentum. Maybe it's time for us to go from something, from nothing to something. From nothing to something, even if it's just a little something. Right? Maybe it's time for us to become people on the move. If you're here this morning and you're feeling a little spiritually dry and empty, consider the fact that maybe it's because you're not moving. If you're waiting to hear a direction from God, if you're waiting to hear the voice of God, if you're waiting to hear, discern the will of God, and it's really cloudy and really fuzzy and you just can't get it, you can't understand it, consider the possibility that maybe it's because you're not moving. Right? Get up and start moving. Because on the way, we become attuned to the voice of God. And maybe it's because while we're moving, there's a greater dependence. Maybe once we take a step of faith and we don't know how things are going to turn out, maybe then we become especially tuned into the voice of God because we recognize that, oh my goodness, I really need direction now. When we move in faith, I think it helps us hear helps us discern the will of God. That's the first thing. I think here's the second thing that this story sort of teaches us about our relationship with God. Moving in faith transforms like what we think we know, where we think we're headed, like our long-range plans. Transforms our long-range plans into something very different. Spirit-guided vision, spirit-guided seeing transforms like our long-term plans into spirit-guided seeing. Most of us like to plan. Right? We like to get it down on paper. We like to know where we're going, where we're going to stop along the way, where we're going to stop and go pee along the way. And if you have to go before that, you better have a steel bladder because no, we planned on stopping an hour later Right? We like to stop in the same spots. We want to know where we're going to stop to eat. We want to know where we're going to sleep when we get to wherever it is we're going. And sometimes these long-range plans can sort of 
get stuck in stone, and it's hard to change those things. But look at Paul. It wasn't hard for Paul to change at all. His long-term plans seemed to steer him to go to Asia. Like, that was his destination. That was the place where Paul and the crew wanted to go. So much so that they tried to go there twice. The Spirit said, don't go there. And they're like, okay, but we really want to go there. And then the Spirit said, no, I don't want you to go there. He wanted to go there so badly, two times. But his movement in faith transformed his long-term plans into a different way of seeing. Spirit-guided vision. He literally then had a vision of a man in Macedonia who needed help. So that's where they went. God sort of helped them adjust their plans while they were on the way, on the fly. Mm. There's this guy, he died about six years ago. His name is James Martin, world-famous computer geek. Uh, maybe some of you computer people have heard, have heard of him. But while he was alive, he was one of the most widely read authorities on um, computers and technology and their impact on society. In fact, in 1977, he wrote a book entitled The Wired Society. In 1977, he wrote a book entitled The Wired Society in which he predicted most of today's internet and today's uh, interaction on the web. Isn't that fascinating? Back in 77, he knew what was coming. Anyway, he used to say that that long-term planning was pointless, totally pointless, because change is now happening so fast in the world that nothing can be planned for. He said in the future, and I think in some ways we experience this now, today, he said in the future, things will be created, things will be invented just in time. Isn't that interesting? Things are moving so fast now that we have to invent things just in time. He also wrote about how this is playing itself out in the world of, of computers and computer business. He pointed out that Intel, the manufacturer of the processor and most of our computers, they had an initial business plan of one page. One page was their business plan. One page. The largest manufacturer of computer processors in the world had a business plan of one page because they recognized that Things move so quickly. We've got to be open. We've got to be open to change. Now, I don't know if I'm willing to go as far as Martin and say no long-range planning because there's something about that that feels good, right? We want to know where we're going. We want to plan it out. And at least that helps us chart a course and get moving like Paul's long-term plan to get to Asia. It sort of got him moving, but I think it's our attitude along the way that I think that's the important thing. It's our willingness to be prepared for God to sort of intervene and interrupt and transform what we think we have planned into spirit-guided seeing. So we believe in this thing we call the providence of God. Do you, have you heard this phrase before? It's this theological idea called the providence of God, which means we believe that God is always present, always active always with us, always speaking, always directing, always guiding. We believe that, that God is doing something special here, now, in this moment, and every other moment of 
our lives. And so being prepared for God to, to transform what we thought we knew, where we thought we were going, into spirit-guided something else means that we sort of let go of the journey and let God steer it. Let God do the steering. So maybe, maybe we just need to get up and get moving. Moving. Maybe what we need to do is, is to start doing what we think God is calling us to do now and trust that God will tell us what to do while we're on our way. And maybe we try to go to Asia. And God's like, okay, don't go there. It's okay that you tried. Thank you for moving. Go that way. Right? Maybe God never gives us more direction than we need. And it's only until we start moving that God can actually say, go east or west or north or south. Oh. There's a, there's a little line in a psalm that goes like this. God's word is a lamp unto our feet. A light on the path. A lamp to our feet. I don't want a lamp to my feet. Like, I want, I want the path lined with street lights so I can see all the way to the end. That's what I want. The psalmist says, God's word, his voice, the lamp to our feet. Oh, man, I want more than that, though. No, it's a lamp to our feet. There's just enough light to take another step. Then there's just enough light to take another step. And then just enough light to take one more step. So maybe, maybe this morning the divine is saying to us, do something. Something. Don't just sit there. Get up. Move. Do something like, go help your neighbors build a deck. The deck they're building in their backyard. Anybody have a neighbor who's building a deck? That would have been cool. Then <laughs> you'd have been like, oh my goodness, how does he know? You do? Two of them. Go help your neighbor. It, it happened, everybody. So, now you're busted. You don't have a choice. Go help your neighbor build the deck in their backyard. And while you're doing that, you may hear the voice of God saying to you, thank you for getting up and thank you for moving. Now use your heart, your soul, your skills to go build a house with Habitat for Humanity. Turn west after you've done that, right? Or, or maybe God is saying, look, just serve a couple of weeks in nursery a year. And then while you're doing that, maybe God, you'll hear the voice of God saying to you, you know what? They also need some help with middle school kids on Wednesday nights at Ignite. Maybe turn westbound and do that. Maybe you take a step of faith serving somewhere. And while you're along the way, you hear the voice of God saying, turn in a different direction. Friends, we're called to be people on the move. People moving. Just look at Paul. Always on the move. Always on the go. And, but while we're on the move, we, 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 we need to not be afraid that we might mess up because God will guide us on the way. 
be prepared to hear the voice of God to change direction. We can listen, we can hear, we can discern, and we can also get it right sometimes. Maybe we get it wrong, but God's there to say, go this way instead. Think about people on the move. Think about the life of Jesus. Think about his life. Read the stories about him in the Bible. In fact, you'll, you'll notice that these stories are always about movement. Jesus too. I mean, it's almost as if Jesus is replicating his life in the person of Paul. When you read the story of Jesus, and then you read the story of the early church and a lot of what Paul is doing, Jesus is always on the move, always on the go. Then here's Paul, always on the move, always taking steps of faith, always going places. Jesus was always on the move, always on the go, always moving from town to town. He spends most of two and a half, two and three quarters years hanging around, in and around Galilee, marching around, making a trip to Capernaum, going here, going there. And then all of a sudden, about midway through, the, through, the, through Luke's telling of Jesus' story, he, he all of a sudden, he resolutely sets his face towards Jerusalem. And he knows what needs to happen. He knows where he is going to go. He discerns what God is doing in his life. And so he goes to Jerusalem. And while he moved in Galilee, while he moved in and around Galilee in the region around there, he always gave himself away. He lived a life of love. So then he turned and resolutely set his face to Jerusalem. And when he got here, we know the rest of the story. He gave up his life on the cross. But before he did that, he said to his followers, take up your cross and follow me. And then he winds up in Jerusalem in the most stunning display of self-giving sacrifice on the cross. But before that, he said, take up your cross and do what? Sit on your couch and wait for a word from me. Just stop what you're doing uh, and a voice from heaven will eventually come and you'll be able to, no, take up your cross, that symbol now of self-sacrificing, self-giving love. Take up that. Let that be your rule while you're on the way and follow me. We're called to be people on the move. Jesus wants to replicate his life in our lives, just like Jesus replicated his life in the life of Paul, who went all over the place. Where's God calling you to move? Is there a step of faith Have you been standing still or sitting in one spot? Consider taking a step of faith, but listen, pay attention, discern. God will speak. You'll hear. And eventually, you'll get it right. Let's pray. God, thank you for, thank you for this story. Um, Thank you for watching what the earliest people of faith did, how they moved, how, how fascinating it is that, that Jesus, you replicated your life in the life of Paul. Like it looked different, it fit Paul's life. It fit his personality, it fit his gifts, it fit what you called him to do. And God, we pray that you would do that with us as well. Replicate your life in us. We are about to consume bread and juice your body and blood. And we pray, O oh God, that 
the intimacy of that act of consuming you and your presence in us, we ask, oh God, that it would be a, a transformative thing in our lives. We're grateful for your sacrifice. We're grateful for your love. We're grateful for the ways in which you've forgiven us and made us one with you. So God, be with us now as we partake of this supper. Send your Holy Spirit upon us, we pray, that the bread which we break and the cup which we bless might be to us the communion of the body and blood of Christ. And help us, help us to just get moving, trusting that you'll be with us along the way. Amen. Jesus, the